Veteran Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together, each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Hey gardening friends, welcome. You can call through anytime from right now till 10am. Bev is back, 94841927 and John Glidden is standing by. The dynamic duo Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton kick Saturday morning off brilliantly, followed by our cycling DJ Jim Crinan. And Jim will be back at 10am with the classic 70s. Good morning. What a lovely crisp morning. <laughs> it is a tad chilly today, Ray. Well, it'll warm up. 26 is uh, a perfect temperature, isn't it? And it, it is World Garden Naked Day. So there'll is. be a lot of interesting activity on Facebook pages. And if you're driving along and you happen to see a, <laughs> a bear bot looking at you bending over with shearers clipping their hedge or something. Don't you know, be surprised. Wait, don't, yeah, don't be embarrassed. It's all good. It's World Garden Eyes Naked on Day. the road. Eyes on the road. A lot of people, you know, like to get into the spirit of things. Will you be, Ray? Uh, probably. What do you think, Faye? No. <laughs> It was two degrees at Jandicott this morning when I hopped into the car. It was well, the furthest thing from my mind, I can tell right. you. Well, it's now, it's now hopped up to 10.5. It's not too bad. It was, I have to agree, it was fresh. I enjoyed my hot shower this morning. I just thought, oh, okay, yeah. But uh, as you know, I'm a, I'm a hot, hot cookie these days. Now, let me see. We have uh, lots of things to talk about today. We will be chatting at 20 past eight with Carol Fudge from Banara Nurseries, the magnificent wholesalers, Banara Nurseries. A lot of your plants do come from there. And we're going to look at what's on offer for Mother's Day. And then we have our special guest in the studio at five past nine, John Banasavage. Now, John was on Gardening Australia last night with his magnificent fernery garden and John is the president of the Western Australian Fern Society uh, so I hope we hope you uh, got a chance to have a look at Gardening Australia last night if not it's on again at 1pm on Sunday and you can watch it on iview you can replay any time and I have also put it in the link as a comment under the Facebook post on the Curtain Radio So Facebook you can just page. go in there and watch it there. Yeah, oh, yes. well, there you go. Too easy. So John will be in the studio with us today uh, and we'll be doing Q&A, you know, so all your fern questions will be answered. So we, we, we have uh, a celeb amongst us. So if yeah. people want to call in, feel yeah, free. Yeah. Otherwise, I thought we could follow on from our garden design and, and talk about some of the the tips we haven't really got around to talking about vistas in the garden yeah, or features. structures and features something yeah. that draws your eye so yeah, yeah. john's a plethora of knowledge on that and okay well that would be a, a nice chat. discussion so i'll enjoy that we have enjoyed our uh, segments with lisa passmore uh in the past number of weeks and John has posted he's compiled those circumstances put them together and posted them on our podcast page which is on the Curtin FM website you can access the Let's Talk Gardening podcast 
uh, by going to our website, click on programs, the bar drops down, you'll see Let's Talk Gardening and away you go. You can browse many, many shows, but that'll be at the top of the... I think we're up to about a couple of hundred now, aren't we? Are we? Okay. Well, it's yeah, a lot anyway. It's a lot. Yeah, and also speaking of online surveys, we are doing one at the moment through the station. You probably have heard the promo on air. So what that means is uh, if you'd like to go to our website, on the homepage, the right-hand corner, it says survey. Click there and you can actually fill out all the details that you'd like to talk about, why people listen to the station, what kind of music they like, the programs they like, the programs they like, the programs they like. <laughs> oh, sorry. And, um, yeah, you can participate by going to curtainfm.com.au. So that's our online survey. That's happening an hour across the board. Please participate. Just look for a survey, top right hand of the homepage of curtainfm.com.au. Okay, I've said my piece. Carry on. Well... Ray, we had a huge number of emails last week, which was fantastic. So perhaps I'll kick off with them today okay. and, and see if we can get through some of them. So Alice uh, writes in, she says, Hello, love your show. My husband, friends and I all tune in. We are all 35, 36 years old. There so you go. That's really good to hear. Alice or Elise, I'm not too sure. Question, please. We're planting a lot of vegetables in our raised beds, but I always forget what has gone where. I've tried signs in the past and labels, but the rain or bore water washes the pens off. Can you please recommend any stakes, signs, garden labels where the writing will last in the wet? Ah, uh, yes. Um, chalkboard type signs with the chalk pens, are they worth looking into? Well, couple of suggestions. If you like recycling and you want something a bit fancy, I went to the trouble one year of saving all my paint tin lids, like going through the shed, getting rid of all the old tins and saving the lids. And then I painted them and then I used a black permanent marking pen and I put them onto a piece of retic pipe as a stake and I cable tied them. And I stood them in my vegetable garden. So I had broad beans and yakon and sunflowers and a range mm. of different things. So that costs nothing. You can use pop sticks from your ice creams, uh, plant labels that you can specifically purchase. And I, I know nurseries and guardware stores have them. And 2B pencil. Where that do you get that? Secret. That's the one I want. Um a new two agent, a two B pencil, two B. Okay, two B. I learnt that from John B. Right? Ah, uh, did you? So it works because he does a lot of labelling. Yeah, laminated labels. Like if you're a bit handy on yeah, the computer, you can uh, print them out and laminate them, and then you could put them onto a bamboo skewer, uh, a stick out of your garden. You could wedge them into a fork. You could even write on a knife. If you've got mm. a, got old cutlery. So if anyone else has got other ideas Lots of creative of ideas. Recycling. Of, yeah, yeah. Let us know what you do. Yeah, good so, idea. And they can look so decorative in a garden. Yeah, yeah, good fun. Particularly a veggie patch. Mm. Now, Joan had uh, sent us in photos of a vegetable that she wanted to identify in her garden that was flowering. And it had white flowers. And I suggested that it could be one of the Chinese veg. Funnily enough, with the warm weather that we've had this week in the garden, I also had one of my K-Lan plate plants flowering with a white flower. So 
That's what it turned out to be. Also known as Chinese kale. Yeah. And Joan sent us in a photo of the packet. So Chinese kale. There you go. I love yeah. a good mystery. Yeah. Now, last week, Gay sent us photos of a cyclamen, and we talked a little bit about how to care for them. Now, the problem was she actually thought she had mites on this. So if you've kept it indoors over the summer month, like normally they're dormant over summer, but of course you can, in a controlled environment, create different growing scenarios. So it might be that it wants to die down. I would tend to put it outside rather than the pot fill up with water and um, it get too wet because we actually, we think we'd like it to go dormant, which is what you do in summertime. Put it outside, put it on its side so it doesn't fill up with water. Plant will go dormant. And as Andrea wrote into us and said, in the garden, she's got her cyclamen popping up now. So they love the cold. If you do have a plant inside, put it out at night time to get the chill. Mm. Gay has treated this with uh, eco neem oil and she's already lost three plants. So if it is mites, that could be a problem. But I would let, let it die down. I would take it out of the potting mix, uh, treat it with a, an insecticide and maybe put it into fresh potting mix, put it back out in the garden and... Hopefully it might just overcome it. Mm -hmm. the, the work might have been done with the spray. So whether that has also killed the eggs or she needs to do a repeat. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gail of Mullaloo phoned in and she thought you might like to mention, Faye, about last week's open garden and the little girl who was doing the tours and spoke like she was in her 20s. Oh, she was just gorgeous. Her name was Clara and she... She had a cubby, she had a fairy garden. She took people on tours and she was world class. She was the Linda's granddaughter oh. and she was right at home in that garden. It was a beautiful garden to wander around. It was yeah. open. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just a credit to the owners and there was something for everyone. It yeah. was really, and she knew, really joyful. She knew her, her stuff. Oh, yes. yes. How, how, how old was she? Um, I between four and six. Oh my word! Mm. Oh, that is just hilarious. Mm. Oh, good. Yeah. How, how entertaining! Yes, it was. Oh. It was a treat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, brilliant! No, thanks for that, Gail. Yeah. Mm. All right. Sorry to interrupt. That's all right. I shall keep going. And uh, Dallas has asked. She been listening to Lisa Passmore, and was after the native Daphne, but wasn't sure where to find it. Now, yeah. the botanic name of this is Philotheca myoporoides. So that that is what you're after if you're going out shopping. A Philotheca, to be specific. I would check certainly with the native nurseries uh, rather than, than others yeah. um, because they have got more, more chance of having these available they specialize in you can native order them. plants yeah, yeah and that's right right you can you can put your name down order them or actually people like carol will be able to tell us at what time of the year they're generally available a lot of plants come into the market when they're in flower so that's a bit of a hint but also 
this is just the best time of year. Mother's Day, we've had fantastic growing weather. Mm. Uh, we've had some cool nights. Mm. There's a lot of plants in bloom. It mm. is a great time to get out and visit your garden centres. Mm. They will be overflowing. overflowing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, particularly this weekend. Wow. Exactly. Mm. Mind you, I've, I wouldn't be going out shopping over the weekend. Because, I'm because? Busy. Too busy. Yes. Yeah. I'll potter in the garden. 26 mm. degrees, Yeah, get some jobs done, go mm. shopping next week. Yeah, yeah. when everyone else is... Yeah, see what's ha- left. Ha- ha- see what's left. <laughs> <laughs> now, Yang has sent us in an email and would like to know when is the time to prune geisha girls, a dwarf olive tree and dogbane. Now, certainly geisha girls after flowering. And if you... If you were to do that during the summer, because sometimes they get quite rangy, so you might have to do it a couple of times a year. I know they're still flowering now, so you mm. think, oh gosh, you know, do I want to cut it back now? But mm. if you wait till winter, you know, you're probably not going to get that that regrowth, that recovery. Uh, if it's gotten too big, you just do it when you need to do it, basically. Mm. So I would give them a light trim a couple of times a year if you need to keep it in a certain space. If you do do it in summer, that's the ideal time to take cuttings. Okay. So you can save some of the pruning material and take cuttings. The dwarf olive tree, many of them will be fruiting now. So keep an eye on the fruit. It's time to start harvesting them and pickling your olives. So traditionally we would prune after flowering and fruiting. But that'll probably leave you in midwinter, which is not going to be the best time. Right at the end of winter, spring to early summer is probably the best time. But if you are late and the plant starts to flower, that's not a bad time either because you can actually look at the plant, you know where the fruit could form, and that gives you the opportunity to cut it back. You'll get bigger fruit but you'll at least be able to keep the fruit on the tree. Mm. So, yeah, about, about springtime. Okay. And dogbane. Now, they they probably finished flowering now, so I would just deadhead them, basically. Mm. But if the plant's gotten too big, just contain it again, clip around the edges. Mm. Uh, they're a very easy plant to look after. They're tough. Very hardy. Mm. Don't take any water. They'd be great for your zeriscape garden. Yeah, or yeah, really yeah. low water yeah. garden. Lovely greyish foliage. The blue banded bees just love them. Yeah. So do some of the other native yeah. bees. Well, they're, they're sort of salvia like, aren't they, with their flowers? Mm, yeah. They are. They're yeah. very pretty, but oh boy, they're pungent. They're toxic <laughs> too. Yeah, got to be careful if you've got animals. Okay, we've got a couple of giveaways coming up today. So we are giving away uh, movie passes to a an exclusive movie preview screening this Wednesday evening, just for one night only, and that will be for Operation Mincemeat. So I'll talk more about that later this morning. And we're back giving away our $75 weekly voucher to Bigger Trees. Perfect timing for Mother's Day as well. Uh, so we will talk about that soon too. 94841927. We will be chatting in a moment to Carol Fudge from Banara Nurseries. Back shortly. Curtain Radio. 
22 minutes after eight. This is Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. Beautiful autumn morning. And uh, obviously we're going to be speaking with Carol from Banara Nurseries shortly. Given it's Mother's Day tomorrow, we're going to find out what is on offer. Okay, we actually do have Caroline now on, sorry, Carol, I should say. Carol now on line. Good morning. How are you, Carol? You're with Ray and Faye. Oh, good morning. How are you all? Oh, yes. we're great. What a perfect gardening day, isn't it? It's a beautiful day, although it's a tad chilly if you're not wearing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and are you wearing any clothes, Carol? Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> we're with you, though. We did come in here pretending to start taking them off, I must admit. Yeah, no, no, I think that that would be a little much for for the neighbours, I think, before I did that. It's much too early in the the morning to to, uh, consider this. (laughs) It surely is. Now, Carol, thank you for joining us here today. Last week, we got an email from Helen and she sent in photos of African daisies or the osteospermum, beautiful orange and golden colours. And she wanted to know how to prune them. And by how much? And and I looked at them and I thought, now these are a newer variety. Then they don't look like the weedy ones that we used to see a lot of, the whites and the the mauves. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So there is there's quite a few um, new osteospernums on the market these days. Um, although most of them will come, I think they will start to sort of hit retail centres probably late June, July. There's some magnificent colours. These have been bred to be a lot more compact, um, not to sort of self-seed madly. Um, You've got, you know, beautiful sort of yellows with blue centres. I think Blue-Eyed Beauty is probably one of the standouts. And um, there's another one that has the most iridescent um, sort of mauvey blue colour, which... um, which is is probably one of our most popular ones because I think blue always always sort of stands out in the garden. But yeah, there are there's some gorgeous coppery colours and and they're very compact, so they don't they don't get carried away. So you can keep them beautifully in pots. Um, mm. And then when they when it's a type of plant that when it finishes flowering, you can put it in the garden and cut it back. I wouldn't probably go hard cutting them back right now because they're. They're going to come into their best season of flowering soon. So, um, you know, just deadhead them at this time of the year. And then I, I would give them a probably a 30 to 50% prune in, in maybe end of October, November, when they start to go a bit quieter on the flowering. Yeah. So they wouldn't really... Or would they be leafing up now? Because looking at one of these photos here, it's sort of spilling out over a curb. So mm. I guess you'd oh, look, you cut would, that yeah, back. You could cut that part back. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the photograph, but yeah, you could certainly cut that back. And, and they, they're, they're about to grow like crazy right now. So okay. um, it wouldn't hurt it at all. Yep, great. And I guess with a lot of them, you almost don't need to. Like if you did nothing, they're still just going to grow. But for best results, a deadhead, a trim yes. and a feed. Uh, that's right. The more you deadhead them, the, the longer you're going to have that, that flowering period extended. So, yeah, no, it, it's it's good to keep deadheading them and, and not just keep regenerating. Yeah, it's great, easy, hardy, drought-tolerant plant to, to add to the garden. It's not, not a fussy thing. They, they, um, they grow very easily. And what other daisies are out there? Well, you've got 
you've got your federation daisies. There's some fantastic Australian breeding mm. um, going on in that. So uh, we grow a, a range at the nursery, um, the federation range of daisies, and the breeding done in Australia to get you know bigger flowers and brighter colours, more compact growth, so they don't sort of take over the entire garden bed. Um, good strong colours um, even in winter I think Perth has a very high light intensity and so you're looking for colours that don't want to fade out to, to nothing yeah. so um, yeah there's, there's um, let me think of some names it's Super Circus um, Superior Purple um, yeah, the, the, the Federation range of daisies are, are gorgeous, and they're out and about in the in the retail world. They're just coming into into the best season now, so you should see those on retail in retailers now. Okay, and another one that we often see around landscapes, the Arctotus. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. Okay, so the Arctotus is what is again. They are South African. They're not West Australian natives, but they are really, really good for winter colour. In fact. Um, in, in really dry coastal conditions, you can get some um, sterile gazanias and arctotus now that you can plant all together. And during the winter time, you'll have colour from the arctotus. And when they finish flowering in spring, the, the sterile gazanias will take over and, and you know, not become weeds in the garden. So great for, for landscaping on a coastal verge where you want colour, but you, you know, you, you're you know, mindful of obviously um, um, spreading weeds around the place. But, yeah, very tough. Arctotus are gorgeous. They've got that lovely furry, silvery grey leaf. And, and water-wise as they, well. Yeah, they don't need a great deal. Oh no, no, they, they'll, they'll, you know, once you've got them established, you, you probably don't need to watch them at all. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that, right. you know, down hashtag Zeriscape. People's verges, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, really good on verges, just for that little bit of colour. So, yeah, not strictly politically correct in terms of um, native plants, but if mm. you pick the sterile forms, you're, you're, you're safe um, in terms of, you know, not spreading weeds. Oh, that's good. And, and a great living mulch or ground cover and weed suppressant. Very much so, yeah, very much so. Although there is some good good uh, WA natives that will, will do those jobs as well in, mm. in some of the grevilleas um, that will, will fill in those spaces quite well too. Low-growing sort of calisamnuses and things like that, they, they will fill up. There's a beautiful um, prostrate acacia that you can plant on the ground that's quite tough and good on the coast. But there are a few other things that are good living mulches too, but perhaps not as colourful. <laughs> Yeah, so what else is new and exciting coming through, Carol? Is there anything we um, should be... Well, probably, probably this standout plant that um, it's still in the early days of, of distribution, but the, the blue kangaroo paw bred by uh, Digby and the team at Kings Park. Yes. That, um, that is, is outstanding, and there's a whole range around that as well. I know, and, and they're as beautiful. Mm. There's a gorgeous, um, sort of quite delicate pink one called Carnival, um, yeah. and that one, that one is another standout. I mean, obviously the blue is the the star of the show, but the supporting acts are, are pretty, really good, pretty and, fabulous. Um, yeah, you I mean, yeah, if you if you want a lot of colour in a native garden, particularly mm. over the winter and spring, um, you can't beat these kangaroo paws. And that blue, oh, it, mm. it, it is. It's it, it just stands out. It's like Iridescent. It's just mm. gorgeous. Carol, when people get these plants home, what mm. have, what sort of care do they need? Because, you know, if they're left in the pots, I've seen a few at the retail centres, mm. and they can go off pretty quickly. 
So with, with a kangaroo paw, you probably need to just, again, that deadheading, take out the, the dead stems once the flower's finished and it'll keep generating new new far, uh, flowers. With the with the kangaroo paws, I've actually got them in, in um, terracotta pots at home. Um, I live right on the coast and some of the, you know, some of the, the conditions and the soil and the salinity and things like that aren't always favourable to, to some of the more, you know, gorgeous natives. So with these sorts of things, I'll keep them in pots and, and oh, they just they just keep on giving. Um, so you know, I, I, do you use like that. a native potting mix for them? Absolutely use a native potting mix that drains well, but then you also have to remember that they will dry out. So if you want the best from a kangaroo pour in a pot, yes, use a native mix that's going to drain well so the plant doesn't rot. Keep it in the sunshine over the, over the uh, winter months. It needs sort of pretty much full sun all day, but you do have to keep up the water. They don't like to dry out to nothing. Mm-hmm. In the ground, it's a little different. Um, you know, you can rely on the rainfall to, to keep the ground moist, but in pots, they will dry out. Okay. And are they grown out in full sun or are they grown? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely grown out in full sun in the weather. That's the, the beauty of this new range of kangaroo paws is they've been uh, bred for their disease resistance as well. But even um, even the most disease resistant kangaroo paw won't like it if you put it in a cold, damp, wet spot. So you've got to have some good sunshiny spots, you know, at least 80% sunshine during the day. Similar to a, a rose bush, if you plant a rose bush, you know, it performs really, really well in its ideal place in the, in the mm. full sun position. But if you tried to plant one in the shade, you wouldn't get the same joy from it. No. Okay, so that's another great Mother's Day option. Yeah. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, mums mums today have moved on from chrysanthemums, sure. even, though they, even though they're gorgeous and they can sit on the bench top yeah. for, a, for a week or two. Yeah. But there's so many other options I out agree. there. If everyone everyone needs to get out to the garden centres and, and have a look and mm-hmm. and see what's out there. Um, there's, there's so much and it can be different. I mean, obviously you can... You can Get mum an indoor plant too. Yes, um, they they gifts that keep on giving. Um, in six months' time, when mum looks at it and thinks, "Oh yeah, I remember it now." Susan bought me that for Mother's Day. It, it's it's um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a good gift. But for plant lovers, it's the best gift in the world. There's nothing more exciting than receiving a plant. In my opinion, well, a, a flowering pot plant is, yeah. is is the best gift in the world because it keeps on giving it better yeah. than a bunch of flowers. So. Sure is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and probably cheaper. <laughs> probably these cheaper, days, but it's just, yeah, if you, yeah. If you divide it by the days of joy, oh, that you get yeah, from, it's definitely cheaper. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Now, Carol, while we've get got you here, someone was asking about a native Daphne. Yes, Philatheca. A native Daphne philothetan for the native. Okay, I uh, a wax flower, uh, summer stars, or something stars. I've never heard them. Okay, I've never heard them called the native uh, native Daphne before. So okay, so if it's a philotheca, it would be something maybe like cascade of stars. Yes, yes, that's probably the one. The spring. Flowers in the springtime, um, hard to get. They're actually most of the varieties are native to the east coast of Australia, so not necessarily West Australian natives. Um, but there will be there will be a few around. But I would probably hazard a guess there'll be more 
later in the year, July, August, September, and they start to flower around August, September here in the West. So there's Good a cascade tonight. of stars, there's some upright shrubby forms. Um, it's quite, it is quite a pretty one. Um, and, uh, yeah, it flowers for about oh, probably six weeks in spring. So can you recommend something as an alternative if, mm, if, if people wanted mm. to get started? I think they should start looking at the Geraldton Wax cultivars that have been worked on. So obviously the West Australian Geraldton Wax um, is renowned for its long flowering period. It's, it can grow quite big, but there's a lot of new cultivars in the market these days that, um, that grow into sort of small, compacted, rounded shrubs. Um, they, you know, they might make a maximum of, of a metre, some of them. So I think in the shops coming up in over winter, you'll see Local Hero, which is one of the standouts, and that's actually one that's been also bred, um, the breeding program at Kings Park. Um, so that's our very own West Australian variety, Local Hero, and that, that is awesome. It's a beautiful plant. Once that starts to flower at the end of September, it just keeps on giving right through till early December. It's just gorgeous. Um, there's some other ones that are slightly taller. There's um, Ice Queen, which is a beautiful white one. Um, My Sweet 16, which is, um, that one's probably a standout in terms of foliage. Um, the foliage is lovely. When it gets new growth, it's sort of a russety, russety bronze colour. Mm. And it's quite compact and dense. And then like it, comes it. Out with, comes out with the most amazing little white starry flowers. And then gradually, as the flowers age, they darken in colour to almost a red. Goodness! So by the time by the time the summer comes around, this this plant will will have red flowers, but it starts out white. My oh. sweet sixteen. My sweet sixteen wow. is probably one of the standouts too. So they'll all be coming through um, through the the nurseries and and the hardware stores in in the coming months. Oh, what about a, a flower for picking, Carol? What's a plant that people could give their mums that will give back flowers for picking at this time of year? Um, okay, flowers for picking. Probably alstroemerias. Um, alstroemerias mm. is one of the, the best garden plants, uh, but also obviously the best cut flowers that you, you could get. They last for, forever in a vase. Um, obviously, you know, going back to the kangaroo paw again, mm. um, that, you know, you can, if you plant an array of kangaroo paws in your garden, you've got a, 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 you've got a vase of flowers right there before you all the time, including the, the beautiful black kangaroo paw, the macropedia, you know, if you mix that into a flower arrangement, you yeah. can get some stunning, stunning my um, arrangements. Mm. So, um, yeah, so you've got alstroemerias, obviously the daisies, you can't, you know, they're always cheerful. Um, You've got, and you can go into the, um, into the, um, you know, the flowering annuals too. So you can plant, you know, pansies and panolas and make the most beautiful little um, arrangements with flowers like that. There's not many flowers that you can't put in a vase, is there? No, no. Some last longer than others, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously you've got roses too. Although I think with the chili thrips lately, I, I, um, I think people are struggling to get a decent flower to cut off a rose bush at the moment. I think yeah, so. correct. Absolutely. Hopefully, na- hopefully nature will, will, will do its course and um, something will the, will find a predator for it. Yeah, we hope. Be, um, I mean, there's a there's a myriad of sprays and things like that you can put on the plants, but I've given up and just pruned them all back quite hard already, and um, I'm living in hope that there'll be 
something out there and that, you know, they won't be... I think chili strip's been around for 20 years, but it, it's it's the last two years it's, it's exploded in its population. So, What would it cause that, a, Carol, the, the explosion in population? Is it a... Is I'm it... not... I'm not sure if it's just a, a weather-related thing. I think you mm. you probably need a, an entomologist to give us yeah. a, a sense of what's caused that explosion. But, um, that, you know, I, I always feel that nature will take over and there'll be a predator that'll come and sort it out, whether it's a so. bird or a or a or another another insect that will well, you know wasp or something. I I agree with that wholeheartedly, Carolyn. You know, a few years ago we were talking about the potato tomato salad and. We just mm. don't seem to hear about it as much now. No, I, I actually had the best crop of tomatoes in, in multiple years and I, I haven't been spraying. I don't spray my, my crop. It's, it's not worth it. Um, and for, you know, just a few tomatoes. And, yeah, this, this year hasn't been too bad at all. But, again, yeah, it might be it might have been weather-related that all sort of, you know, the stars align and then then they, they do well. And then I'm sure there's a wasp or something that's that's come in to, to start feeding on them. Mm. Nature is amazing. It is, and I'm standing out here and the sun's rising up in the sky. It's just a gorgeous day, absolutely. We're just so blessed, aren't we, to have weather like this for sure this are. weekend. Camelot weather, I call it, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm hearing it's all about to change midweek, so yes. um, we all need to get out, out and about and Do enjoy it while thing. we can. Mm-hmm. Yes. You've been fantastic uh, this morning. Thank you so much for your time, Carol, and wishing you a, a lovely Mother's Day as well. We appreciate it very gonna, much. I'm going to enjoy it with my this morning. I'm having breakfast with my three grandchildren, um, and they're five, two, and one. So <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> Thank I will. You. Thank All you right. very much. Okay. okay. Have a good day, guys. You, you too. too. Thanks, Bye. Carol. Cheers. Bye. And that was Carol from Banara Nursery. She's the sales and marketing manager. And uh, there isn't too much Carol doesn't know. You are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. And we have been joined just this very moment by our very own celebrity, John Banner-Savage, president of the Western Australian Fern Society and uh, star of Gardening Australia, if you happen to be able to have watched it last night. And we're just getting you all ready. How, how do you feel? Do you feel that you can hear? Are you all plugged in? Um, hearing not quite. No, hearing's right. not right. I might get you to give him a little wiggle under the, under the, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Talk to me. I'm turn, talking can to you. you. Okay. It turn, turn it up tap. a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Happening. Yep. That sounds good. Try those ones. Try <laughs> and see how you go. Sometimes the headphones in here are a little questionable. How does that sound, John? Yeah, it's good. You, you're okay. <laughs> All right, we're we're, all we're very pleased that you could join us at such short notice, being that you are so popular now. Legendary <laughs> Featured status. Featured across the airwaves and yeah. uh, on Gardening Australia last night. Yeah. Fabulous segment, John. Oh, thank you. Uh, good morning to you, Ray and Faye <laughs> and to listeners. Yes, it was it, quite exciting. My few moments of fame. <laughs> yes, and, <laughs> and, and deservedly so. I mean, the work that you do is... 
Yeah, I've never been able to wrap my head around how you do what you do, but it's absolutely beyond phenomenal anyone that's been to John's garden. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, John yeah. Banasavich is and has been the president of the Fern Society for around 25 years. Mm. <laughs> what a claim to fame that is. Yeah. But for 40 years, he's been developing our patch of paradise in Jandicott, like where mm. it gets frost in the winter and 40 plus in the summer. Mm. And he's created what can only just... Dis- be an oasis, an oasis, a mm. paradise. Mm. Uh, it looks very tropical, but it's mm. not just palms and ferns and cycads. There's foliage plants. There's vegetable gardens. There's not just one shade house. So there's there's extension more. shade mm. houses. Elkhorn Avenue, bromeliads, bonsai, native bush. So, mm. oh, it's amazing. Mm. Well, thanks for that, Faye. Yes, it's been a long time. Coming, yeah. I mean, and it's, it has evolved over many, many years. So, mm. um, yeah, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I just love being out there every day, and especially now that I'm retired. Yes, um, you lucky duck. It's it's a full time occupation, labor of love, labor of love. Yes, mm. I actually just just enjoy being out there and 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 talking to my plants. Yeah, <laughs> and it's very rewarding. Yeah. Well, and then I, what I didn't mention was the productive fruit trees. And, of course, you, you pickle them and preserve them as well. So, oh, not to mention, <laughs> he's a pretty good cook, sponge maker Great extraordinaire. Cook. Great cook. Yeah, so you've got it all going on. What a wonderful life. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm, enjoy, I'm, I'm enjoying my life at yeah. the moment. It's, it's fantastic, yep. Yeah, I, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that I've got another 20 or 30 years Us too. <laughs> to enjoy yeah. it. So yeah. that's the plan anyway. Sure is. And uh, I think gardening keeps you very, very young. Hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like we are better go out and have a couple of calls and we will come back to you, John. We're in Queen's Park. Karen, good morning. Good morning, ladies. And John, oh, I saw that, that segment on, on TV last night about John's garden. And what did you think, Karen? Oh God, I, I I saw it on on uh, um, John's garden. The the fern sent everything. Is it possible yes. to visit his garden? But that's not why I'm ringing in. That just uh, John is your garden open for visitors? Uh, no, not not. No, you not. I, I do have a, a, the odd occasional large group that might come through a gardening group. Mm-hmm. But um, look out next year because we'll probably have it in the open garden again. We've had it last year. Uh, in April last year, so mm-hmm. we'll probably leave it for two years. So next year we'll probably have it in the open garden scheme, so they'll be open to the oh, public. It, God, it was so stunning! Oh, it was absolutely beautiful. But that's not why I'm uh, ringing in. I'm, I, I want to find out how fast, how, how far back I can co- um, cut my geisha girl, my Durante. Yes, I have got three of them. One is uh, was in the bright sun, and it, it looks really, really sad, very sad. But it's pretty tall; it's almost three meters. And the other one is branching out; it's huge. I don't know, and but it's flowering still; it never stops flowering. Oh, so can I know, I, I know, out? Karen. I've got one exactly the same, and you can cut them back very hard. Cut them back to the size and shape that you want. Even now, even though it's flowering, even. Yes, because they tend to just flower really most of the year, probably less so in winter time. But if the problem is if you do leave it to winter to cut it back, you won't get that recovery. 
you'll you'll just mm-hmm. um, you'll then have to wait, and you may set it back. So if you do it now, even if you only do it lightly now, you'll get some recovery before we go into the really cold weather. Okay, and the other one who looks really, really sad because it was in the bright sunshine, and even though I kept watering it, it looks really, really um, bad. It, it, uh, but uh, I think I can cut that down to about a third. Yeah, I, yes, it yeah. If it's if it is sad, go hard on it, uh, mm-hmm. but also make sure, like, try and work out why it is sad. Is it hungry in the ground? Is it very root bound? Does it need some sort of feed? Certainly, at, at this time of year, you could put down some uh, palletized manure. You could put down lots of mulch. You could give it some seaweed and and fish product, um, and just so- try and build up the soil a bit. Okay, so that's what I was wondering anyway. Shall I, shall I uh, um, fertilize them afterwards after ha- having them trimmed back in general? Well, no? Um, no, I don't think you'd really need to worry about fertilizing now because it is mm-hmm. getting colder. Like slow-release fertilizer will really slow down working and it, it may actually deplete through the soil with all the rain that we're getting. So you, uh-huh. I think okay. your best bet is to apply your fertilizer in springtime when the plants actually are actively growing. Okay, okay. Okay, good. Thank you very much. I'll do that. Okay. Okay, and and uh, I congratulations on that beautiful garden. I just couldn't get over it, all these beautiful ferns. I love ferns, but I don't have many, but I still love them. Thank you very much. And thank Thanks, you. Karen. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. And let's head to Inaloo. We're talking to, I hope I'm saying this correctly, Idra. 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 Yes. Okay. How how can we help? <laughs> yes, I I bought a ficus. It's uh, a ficus laert something laerta or laerti. Mm, that's and, uh, unusual. Well, I've got another one that's about ten foot tall, and uh, but this one is only about three, and uh, it's covered in a. It, the leaves are covered in this white. A snowy white look. Okay. Um, I can't explain it. I don't mm. know what it is, but it's horrible looking, and uh, it looks like Christmas. All right. Uh, does what? Well. Is there anything I can do? Or it it possibly is merely bug. Uh, if you touch it, you may find oh. that it's very sticky, like marshmallow. No. 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 It's not that. Okay. Idra, um, are you able to send us a photo? Pardon? Are you able to send us a photo? Oh, all right. Yes, I will. All right. The The other thing, you know, maybe if there's sap coming out, it might crystallise. Um, no, it's nothing. No? It's okay. It's so weird. All right. It's okay. just like I've covered it in white powder. Mm. Um, powdery like mildew. mildew. What sort mm. of environment is it in? Inside or outside? Well, it's in my yard, actually. In a pot or and, in the uh, ground? No, it's in a pot at the moment. I've got a very large pot to put it into. And uh, I, I'm hoping I'll... I've been putting it off before hearing what you've got to say, you know. Mm. Okay, um, well, yes, if you can send us a photo, we'll have a look and hopefully that will tell us a bit more. Yes, I might drop that off sooner than you think. Oh, Okay. We'll be waiting. 
right. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks, Sandra. Cheers for that. Bye-bye. Okay, we do have to have a little break. When we return, we're chatting to Lynn about her camellia. Tattoo Radio. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. We will be going to the news at 9am. We're heading straight back out to the lines. We are in Bedford. Lynn, hi. Hello. Happy Mother's Day to you both. And to you, you, Lynn. Lynn. Lovely to hear from you. I hope you have a gorgeous day tomorrow. Um, I've got got a beautiful um, camellia. I think it's called Elegance. It's pink and it has a, when it flowers, it has a rosette type. Flower. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's about a metre high. It's very mature. It's got a lot of buds on it. And it's in one of those self-draining pots. Yep. And I felt the top of it and it looked, I put my finger in and it looked, it felt okay. But half of it, say, looks like it needs water and the other half is okay. It looks limp. Mm. A couple of branches that just look limp. And I thought, oh my goodness, this needs water. So... I gave it some more water, and then I realised that I think that it was waterlogged. So I lifted it out, and I put it into a clay pot, a complete dry pot. But one half of it is healthy, and the other half it's green, but it just looks like it's needing a drink. Mm. So I'm just wondering what the problem is. Well, if it was waterlogged, and part of it's not looking healthy... That's it, it may not recover. So can you cut back what's not doing well? Oh. No? Yes, I can. Mm. Uh, but um, it just the, the leaves just look very limp and the other look really sort of shiny and healthy. Lynn, what were the roots like? Um, it was quite bound together. I just lifted it straight out and put it into a pot. It looked neat. I do it every two years. I change it mm. with very good potting mix and everything. Mm. Um, yes, well, certainly what you've done is the right thing and maybe you have alleviated the problem. Mm. Uh, if, you, if you're not prepared to cut it back, then you might just have to wait. Like if it hasn't if any of it has died, then you cut it back and you will encourage new growth. Certainly now that it's flowering is one of the best times to repot it because it, it's done its work. But it does sound it's a bit like a root yet, problem. Love. It's not flowered. It's in the bud stage. Yeah, that's that's right. But it's put its energy into producing flowers. Mm. And if it was a root problem and it was waterlogged, I, I think it's only a matter of time for it to create new roots and develop some strength. So you've done the potting mix, maybe now some seaweed, but water mm. sparingly. John, do you think anything else? The only thing I could come across would be it may have been allowed to dry out slightly and it might have been a stress situation where the plant, sort of one part of it says you, you've got to go so the rest of it survives. That's what it could be. Yeah. Uh, a lot of plants that are in stress do that. Even our native trees do that. So that that's just my thoughts on that matter. And I probably I will don't recover. Like I those think, that, sorry. I, I think it possibly will recover the like like Bay says. Mm. I don't like those self watering pots. Mm. They, oh. they seem to gather in the water and uh, <laughs> Yeah. I love the self-watering pots. Yeah, well, I don't. 
different yeah different strokes for yeah. different folks. Yeah. But you know, some plants really love them, and other plants don't. Yeah, that's right. Careful what you put in there. Mm. Yeah. 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 So your suggestion is just. It's been 24 hours, a little bit longer than that, and there's been no change in the leaves. They're still limp. Well, Lynn, yes, yes. Lynn, you just have to wait. Sorry. Mm. You, yeah, just like if that was mine, I'd probably put it in the shade house, walk away and look at my other plants for the next week at least and then go back to it. Okay. okay. I'll do that. Yeah. No, it sounds like you've done the right thing, so just now pray. Okay? And Yeah, and I'll just leave it dry for a while, just let it you know, dry itself out a bit. It's very wet. I think you've identified what the problem is. Mm. Okay, dear. Well, have a nice Mother's Day. You too, Lynn. Cheers, love. (laughs) See you. Bye. Bye. And Doreen of Waikiki. Now, some time ago, she brought in for Faye and I the Zygo orchids. And uh, I hope you received our thank you on air, Doreen. And she's wanting to know if they are flowering. Mine isn't. No, mine isn't. But I have repotted nope. her up and yep. uh, she's sitting there. She's healthy. Yep. Zygo but... petalums they are. Right. And they have a scent when they do flower. It's got a beautiful um, two-tone flower colour. Part of it looks like a, a tiger print mm. uh, and part of it, which is you know probably earthy tones, and the other part is purple, purple. and dappled. Yeah. So, yeah. so stunning flowers. So, But mm. we appreciate very much, Doreen, uh, you sending them into us. And we will keep you. You will hear us as soon as we have a flower. We'll be uh, shouting from the rooftops, no doubt about that. Okay, we are heading towards the 9am news. After that, I will be giving away three movie passes to an exclusive movie screening next Wednesday night. So you must be able to go next Wednesday night called Operation Mincemeat. How does that sound? <laughs> oh, and it's got, like a cooking show. It's got one of my favourite actors in it, Colin Firth. I just love that man. Mm. Yeah, so it's uh, obviously going to be a, a funny evening. And you get to be with other Curtain Radio members. Okay, we are heading towards nine o'clock. Sunny today with a maximum of 26. It's currently 15.6 degrees. You can expect the overnight minimum to be 12. It will be partly cloudy tomorrow for Mother's Day with a maximum of 26. And on Monday, the minimum overnight will be 11. It will be a sunny day with a maximum of 25. Absolutely perfect weather. And it does look like we have a little bit of rain forecast from Wednesday onwards of next week. And just a reminder that today is... World Garden Naked Day, in case you didn't know. You can get out there, get your gear off, and uh, nice day to do it. 26 degrees, yeah. Whatever tickles your fancy. Whatever floats your boat. (laughs) Today, John? No. Little fern tickling here (laughs) and there. 50 years ago, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, let's head to Morley. We're talking about a pomegranate tree. Hi, Janet. How are you? Good morning, ladies. Thanks so much for your show. You work so well together. It's just lovely to listen to each week. Oh, thank you, Janet. I have got a a beautiful pomegranate tree that I got from the lovely people at Bigger Trees. Um, This is the first year that it's had an abundance of fruit on it. Mm. We've got so many pomegranates, but they split and drop and they're not turning that lovely red on the outside. And then when we open them, they're they're not good to eat. And I'm just wondering what it is that we're probably doing wrong. Uh, do you know what variety it is, Janet? 
No, I'm sorry. I can go away and check that and come back to you via email if that's easier. I, well, no, no. I, I just want I always try and get the history of what a plant is or where it's come from because, for example, if you if you bought a seedling at a market, we don't know what variety it is. If we know what variety it is, sometimes they have a trait that we can uh-huh. um, learn more about. Um, right. So you've got lots and lots of fruit and they're not... Yep maturing as you would like is there anything maybe that's uh encouraging them to drop before they're mature any uh no not that, I, not that i can see it gets the afternoon it gets the direct sunlight during the day and then the afternoon sun now my trusty husband has just run through the garden and bought me the ticket off the tree oh. and it's wonderful pomegranate wonderful hmm Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's that good. Cool. Good, oh, good. Here we go. On the on the back, it's got a, a punica granitum. That's the official name, probably. Okay. All right. Does well, you? you know what we might do? We might throw this one to John out there in the research booth, and okay. and see what he can come up with. I mean, other than you know the the sort of care that you give to fruiting trees, which is. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my book, slow-release fertiliser a couple of times a year, uh, good quality of mulch, adequate water, enough sunshine for the okay. tree to develop the fruit, um, why it's dropping prematurely after it's splitting, whether that's environmental. Has it coloured up? Is it full size? Well, it's full size. And the thing that gets me is I've seen other trees in the area and they've got that lovely bright red colour to them. Yeah. These are sort of pale orange, not not reaching the red. There might be some red on, on mm. a part of the pomegranate, but they're not reaching that lovely red colour. Yes. I mean, inside yeah. there was one the other day I was able to eat and it was absolutely beautiful. It's just the fact that it's not reaching that red colour is making me think that maybe it's missing some elements that we're supposed to be adding. So, mm. And it's too late for that now. But we'll we'll see what John comes up with. It may be the variety, um, and this is why I wonder because I know there are a few varieties, and there are certainly some that probably, you know, have have better flavour and better colour. And whether this is or isn't one of them, we right. we will okay. find out. How yep, old is lovely. the tree, Janet? Did you say? Um, we, it's been in there for about three years. This oh, okay. is the first year of really fruiting. I okay. mean, when we bought it, it had a, a pomegranate already on it when we bought mm-hmm. it. And it's quite a tall tree and it's like it's laden with fruit now. It, the only thing that's bothering me is that we don't know when to pick it because we're waiting for it to turn that lovely red and it's still sort of a pale colour on the outside. Mm. So maybe it's just missing a couple of elements. So I'll wait and see mm. what your lovely John comes up with. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I could even call the the um, bigger trees. I just thought of that as I'm talking to yeah. you. Well, I've I've got a pomegranate tree in the garden and I don't know what the history and the name was and I'm watching them regularly to see if yeah. that colour develops and... You know, just I keep holding it in my hand because we harvested the last of our mangoes the other day and, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I held it, held the last one in my hand and it dropped off, which tells me it's ready. And and sometimes that will happen with your fruit. Your your lemons will almost drop off in your hand when they're ready Mm -hmm. Um, or just a gentle, you know, wriggle. So they're so they're ready. <clears throat> Excuse me, they're ready, but they're just not red on the outside. Okay, yep. may maybe maybe yep. let's mm-hmm. let's see what John comes up with.
That's so lovely. Thanks for your time today, ladies, and have a nice day tomorrow. You're welcome. You too. Thanks, Janet. Thanks, Janet. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's a few pomegranate trees in the area where I live and they are the fruits are reddening mm. up. There's one tree. Actually, I have pomegranates because they give me them in uh, my fruit bowl. And uh, that tree, honestly, is very neglected. And you want to see how it performs. I, I, it's, I, looking at judging the rest of the garden, I'm not being rude, lacks water. But this thing performs and the fruit's amazing. And yeah. well, I wonder what variety you've got, Ray. Yeah, I don't know. It's not. Yeah, I don't know. But I very, think, very. You I think do that's believe mm. one, there are some okay. that are better than others. Better than others. Okay, mm. well, that's. I find that my tree, uh, the skin doesn't go red because they're in the shade part mm. of the garden and uh. the ones that are in the full sun go red. Yeah, these are bright. Yeah. And. Are they developing well? They develop well, yep. yes, yeah. and the birds love them too. Mm. <laughs> so you've got to beat the birds. <laughs> okay, now we have a question for you, John. Cheryl, good morning. Oh, good morning, girls. Good morning, John. Um, John, I, I was in absolute awe of your garden last night um, and I was very keen on, on the section of collecting the spores off the elk horn. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But somebody was rude enough to ring right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How dare you ring in Canning, Australia? Exactly. Um, yeah, I just wondering how I got up this morning and raced straight out to the greenhouse, and my elkhorn has spores on it. But how do I know when they're ready to be harvested? Uh, it can be uh, difficult uh, to predict. Um, usually. If the spore is a very pale brown, that means it's still not ripe. Uh, if it's very, very dark brown and gone very, very fuzzy, that means it's been and gone. So oh. there's sort of like this in-between brownness. It's probably the best. What you can do, though, is to just cut a piece of that off with a pair of scissors or a knife, and you just place it in a paper bag and leave that there for a couple of weeks. And if the spore is ripe, it will fall down to the bottom of the bag. Uh, okay. Sometimes sometimes we have to encourage it by scraping the spore so it'll come out come it'll come off that way. Uh, but generally, if the spore is ripe, it'll fall by itself. But make sure you put it in a brown paper bag or a paper bag because uh, plastic it'll, it'll sweat. Right. Yeah. These are, these are still. Fairly light, light tannic colour. Um, a very pale or a, a yes. mid brown. Yeah. Uh, no, more of a pale. Yeah, it's probably a little bit early yet. I think. Um, yeah, yeah you can, but it's a good idea to. Is, is this on an elk horn or a stag horn that you're talking about? Uh, it's an elk horn. An elk horn. Um, yes, usually you get quite a lot of spore on those, so I would just do a trial. Um, Every few weeks, just try a little bit more and see how you go. Oh, Eventually, okay. you'll get you'll get it's it's every every fern is different, so you'll get to that point where you know when it's ripe after a bit of experience. Wonderful! In total awe. I live in Oakford in very poor sand, and you're just my neighbour, and you've got this beautiful garden. So you have <laughs> inspired me to keep trying. Yes, and uh, yeah, the whole process is quite quite easy to do uh, the only thing is with the elks and staghorns they can take up to 12 months more or less uh, some some people get better results but uh, usually around about 12 months is the time that you're going to have to wait before you have a little tiny plant
Gosh. So I need yeah. some patience. Yeah, patience. <laughs> but it's a wonderful challenge. <laughs> yes. It's really, and very rewarding when you actually achieve. Succeed. Achieve and succeed, yes. Oh. So it's worth a, worth a go because, uh, yeah. Wonderful. Mm. Okay, thanks, John. Love the show. Thanks, oh, girls. Thank thanks, you. Cheryl. Bye Cheers. Cheers for that. Okay, if you are a Curtin FM member and you have not won a prize in the last 28 days, I have three double movie tickets to give away to see Operation Mincemeat. That is this Wednesday coming at 6.30pm at the event Cinemas in Inaloo. Okay, I'll give you just a very short spiel. They would trick the Nazis into thinking that Allied forces were planning to attack Southern Europe. Their plan was to get a corpse, equip it with the misleading papers and drop it off the coast of Spain where Nazi spies would take the bait. Operation Mincemeat is the extraordinary and true story of an idea that hoped to alter the course of war. Okay, it is in cinemas May 12, but if you ring through today and uh, you are in luck, you will receive a... Curtain Radio members double pass to attend this special preview screening and you'll be mixing with other Curtain Radio listeners and you'll get to see it before everybody else. Give Bev a call now on 94841927 and we will connect with you in regard to how you would actually get to the preview and see it on Wednesday evening. Okay, go to it, 94841927. Give Bev a call now. Three double movie passes up for grabs this Wednesday evening. Operation Mincemeat. All right, where are we? Let's go to Mandra. Maureen, good morning. Oh, hello, it's Maureen. Um, yes. Hi. I rang you a while ago because I'd lost one. Of, I've got two big Florentine pots on either side of my front door and I'd lost one of my cypresses as well. I finally got it all out and it's all painted, ready to go. And I bought some gardenias, but... I'm just wondering, um, the sun is gone from the front of my house by probably about 10, half past 10, um, when it goes over to the back of the house. Is that enough warmth, sunshine, uh, you know, um, or too much heat or anything for um, going through the year? They should take a certain amount of sunshine. I, I don't think that would be a problem for you, Maureen. As to whether they would get us enough sunlight to flower, I think that would be more of the issue. But they're an attractive foliage plant even without the flowers. Yeah, I, I bought this particular one, the Lacey Lady, because it's got that dark green glossy foliage. So, um, yeah. And so do they like more would would they do you think they'd like more heat to flower or not? Well they will tolerate more sunlight. Uh but yeah. you know, perhaps in summertime the sun's coming up at half past five in the morning. So you you would get about four and a half hours, that may be enough. Um yeah. and yeah. and is the light bright? That would be the other thing. Or is there like reflection? Sometimes if it's in a light area if if light is bouncing off a fence or a wall, that would also be a help. Okay, I have got a white house, a, a pure white house. So, yeah, so um, it'd probably be... Um, I tend to think one side does better than the other and they're both in alignment with the sun and everything and I, I don't understand sometimes that. 
Um, but um, yeah, just before I put the soil in, I thought <laughs> the, the proper soil for um, uh, gardenias. I'm just thinking, shall I or shan't I? I'll just put them in the garden. Well, Maureen, what I would do is pot them into a plastic pot and put them into your Florentine pots. That way you have the opportunity to take them out and move them and try something else. Oh, that's a good idea. I think I've got a few big pots out the back. I, I took your advice and I put the shade cloth down the bottom with the rocks and everything. So nothing goes, the roots don't go, not that I don't think gardenia's got a big long root anyway. But yeah, I've taken all that precaution. But thank you. I will. I'll put that in the big pot. All right. And lift them out. Okay. Thanks for your help. You're welcome. Thanks, okay. Maureen. Bye, Maureen. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. All right, okay, and I can see the lines are busy. Uh, we obviously have lots of listeners that would like to attend the movie preview on Wednesday evening. Operation Mincemeat sounds like a lot of fun. Okay. Might, might go to another couple of emails, Ray. Please. So Kay has sent us in photos of clusters of eggs under yes. leaves on her plants. Yes. Now, she wondered if I knew what they were. Uh, she suspects they're an insect egg. And this cluster was on one of the plants I was finding a lot of baby grasshoppers on. I don't think they're grasshopper eggs. Mm. What I think they are is the cluster caterpillar, which is laid by a moth, probably Spodoptera species, where they they sometimes put a teddy bear fur over the top. This is also what the, uh, the moths that inhabit the Cape lilac trees the egg clusters look very similar. There's wow. multiples of them. Mm-hmm. So that's why I ask people, if you've got something eating your plant, go out there, have a look. Any any leaf that's eaten, turn it over and have a look underneath because if you can remove that one leaf with those hundreds of eggs, you will save yourself a lot of time and heartache. Um, so, yeah, I th- I'd say that's what that is. And... The other thing, she sent in a photo of the long-legged fly, which is very tiny. And these are actually a predatory fly. It's very, very hard to tell what they're eating because they are so small Mm. and their prey is even smaller than that. But I have seen a lot of these on roses that I have seen affected by chili thrips. Well, that's promising. So... You know, I think the two kind of go together. And, in fact, I've also seen them around my French panties, Mm. which I suspect has had some damage. And we did receive another photo from Mm. Clayton. And he has a problem with French panties that he's grown from seed. The leaves are curling. They look wrinkled. And other established plants don't appear to have the same problem. Now, I, I can't be sure, but I suspect... These may have been affected by thrips. Um, So I would go with an eco oil or something along those lines. It won't change the look of these leaves for now, but these leaves will drop off and then you can monitor your plant going forward. Yeah, correct. Mm. Okay, we'll be back shortly. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest in the studio with us, John Banasavage, President of the Western Australian Fern Society and celeb, celeb extraordinaire from Gardening Australia last night, if you had a chance to watch it. If you didn't, it's on again tomorrow at 1pm or you can replay it on iView. Uh, see the best fern garden in Australia, I think. Absolutely. What, what do you say to that, John uh, Banasavage? Oh, I don't know. 
I have too humble. That. You're too yeah, humble. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe in Perth, but not in Australia. Well, how long ago were the uh, was the filming done? Uh, that was done in November last year. Gosh, so. and where are we now? Just showed in May. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So it was at its, at, at its peak at that time. So that's that was before the, the hot weather that's arrived too. Good. So that was very beneficial. We had extraordinarily hot weather the week after, didn't we? And yes. Kentia palms across Perth were burnt. Yes. And tree ferns and, yes. yeah, the gardens took a big hit, hit. after oh, yes. that. Yes, I... I, I I refer to that summer as the cruelest summer ever. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I just dread that we could get to go through that again. Oh, hopefully not. I know. It was on my mind yesterday. Mm. I thought, geez, I don't think I could handle one more like that. They say the weather is, this is the future. But, oh. but, but the thing too is, like, you know, you've got this amazing canopy and even yeah. your garden burnt, but it does recover, doesn't it? It did. It ha- well, it has. Mm. and um, It recovers, but it damages, you There's know? still evidence yeah. of the yeah. burning, but uh, it, it, in another six months' time, there'll be no evidence again. So, you know, that's, yeah, it does happen. And plants do recover, or most of them do anyway. Mm. Okay, and we've got three movie pass winners, Caroline in Dianella, Alan of Les Murdy and Edna of Nolamara. Thanks for playing with us, guys. And the station will be in contact with you uh, regarding Operation Mincemeat that you'll be going along to uh, view next Wednesday evening at the Inaloo Cinemas. Now, John, for the last four weeks, we've been talking with Lisa Passmore about mm. garden basics to design a, a new patch, perhaps. One of the things that we haven't talked a lot about in detail is features or structures in the garden or vistas and you know something that draws the eye so in in your experience what have you done to create interest in your garden um plant wise in plants or you're talking about just features statement what draws you down a path what are there to what things can you see is it a plant or is it something else you've added to the garden or how have you overcome a problem like how many cocos palms did you have cut down i had 36 cut down (laughs) (laughs) but yes i i actually Yes, well, that, that's one area we can look at. I had 36 cocos palms in the garden and they were causing a problem whereby I had too much shade happening in the garden and the plants were suffering. So I still have a lot of palms. I still have a lot of Bangalore palms, but uh, the co- once removed, I have removed all of the cocos palms, but I left all the trunks up to a metre, up to a metre and a half in height. So I've been able to add a lot of plants to that because they don't regrow once you've cut them. So, so you use able, the trunk. I use the trunk, and mm. I've actually put lots of philodendrons, and and oh. I've also put lots of bromeliads on yes. the trunks. So that sort of adds that extra, and even hoyas as well. I've Point got some hoyas interest. sitting on top of the pots there. and Gorgeous. Um, so you can add a lot of those sort of things to the garden just to sort of give you that a bit of impact and some faces and some faces <laughs> i've used some of the wooden faces as well around the place i saw that in a in a botanic garden in poland when i was there one time and, and i thought oh, i've got to do that <laughs> especially so you, with the spanish moss growing over the over the masks yeah. as well it was it looked it looked great but i also like to use even old logs and tree trunks, I like to place them in the garden or rocks as well because uh, a lot, lot of plants do like to creep over those or they'll actually 
uh, get their roots into them. And even the cocos palms that I've had, I've been storing them for the last couple of years and they're starting to disintegrate now, which is the perfect time to place them around the garden. So they're starting to disintegrate but at the same time, they're also going to feed the plants as well too. So, But they also fill in those little gaps where there's nothing growing and all of a sudden you've got this sort of like a feature thing happening. In it and yeah. It, it, it's, it has just changed it. And, um, yeah. and a lot of it is to do with placement of plants as well, uh, how you put them in the garden. Mm. Um, I also like to use the occasional pots plants in pots with a special plant that you might have that gives you that sort of um, a bit of a bounce Um, and and bird baths not not so much as a feature but yes you can use them as feature but you've got an extraordinary number of bird baths yes i have 25 of them oh how wonderful (laughs) it takes me an hour Every few days to just to go along and make fill sure them I up. top fill them yeah. up. And Cla- uh, he's got a special bucket with a scrubbing brush, and that's only for the bird baths, right? Yes, because right. you can't can you can't use the watering can that's got you use the chemicals. So you got to make sure that this is just <laughs> yeah bird bath watering only. You're yeah. so organised. And you've also got to take into account it's not just the birds at a certain height, and where you place them too is very important because the bird bars need to be in a protected area where you might have a branch growing near them so that the birds can have a quick escape. bath and then and then escape. Uh, but also the other wildlife as well. We've got bandicoots. We have uh, bobtail lizards. We have um, the dragon lizards. All those things need a water as well. So you've got to place them at the ground level. So, yes. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! Do you have water features? I Fountains? do. I have do have do have three ponds okay. as well. Yes, mm. and uh, the wildlife comes and has a drink of that as well. So. Yeah. Mm. Yes. No, I remember the one at the front there. I'm just thinking back. Yes, beautiful. And fish. And I, I don't have any. The only fish that I do have is the uh, little pygmy perch. Yeah. Which is the the local native one, just to keep the mosquito larvae at bay. Yeah, good idea. And you know that they're happy in that water because they breed quite profusely. So, so, no, they're fantastic. Excellent. All right, let's head to Kellaroo. Tina, good morning. Hang on. Yeah, hi. Hi, Tina. Hello. Um, I just wanted a quick question. Is the lumbago flower, the light blue one, edible? Because I want to decorate a chocolate cake with it. Oh, Oh, I'll have to do a quick check. Um, Lumbago, plumbago? Plumbago. It's plumbago, is it right? Yes, and light blue flower, right? That's correct. It's flowering and now, pr- yes. profusely. What are your leaves looking like? Green. Just have Green. a um, when you're out there, do a double check because there are there are thrips attacking the plumbago plants mm. across I'll, Perth. I'll double check that the flowers mm. are fine. All right, I'm I'm just doing a quick check. Bear with me. Talk amongst yourselves. We shall. <laughs> uh, while the le- while the leaves, the flowers, rinds, seeds, and roots are all no, that's come up with my pomegranate. That's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Sorry, yeah. you've caught me off guard here. It's not one of the one uh, that I've come across. Let's throw it the... out to John, and we'll come back to you on it, Tina. Let him have a thorough look at that. Yeah. 
I'll, yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait before I decorate. Then I've just got yes. the icing ready, but I thought yeah, I look pretty flower, pretty colour. But let's be yeah. careful here. Yeah, yeah, not not so far as I could tell, Tina. Um, but what did right. come up was poisons information. So what else have you got in the garden? Nothing Any... really in flower. It's too early for the nasturtiums. Hibiscus. Yes. Hibiscus flowers are edible. Probably a bit yeah, too okay. big for what you're after. What about in your veggie patch? Have you got anything going to flower? No, it's, no, it's very sad. Yeah, no, John's come in and said it's poisonous, veggie, Tina. Veggie patch is only tomatoes at the stage. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> so, no, the plum, gay, plum bago flower is poisonous, Tina. John's just confirmed oh, well, that. thanks for telling me. That was worth the call. It sure was. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. All, All right. right. Good luck. Keep Cheers hunting. That. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye. Okay. Watering pots, self-watering, uh, for and against, why? Just this is my question to you both. I, my, my view is that plants need good drainage. Yeah. And I always choose pots that have got lots of holes. So, yeah. Uh, and I also use a lot of um, pine bark or charcoal in the base of the pots. Charcoal, yeah. Just to give good drainage. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my view because uh, I, I just feel that that um, they get too wet. That's my view. Mm. Uh, I've never been a fan. I like how, to have. I like. They... I like my plants always thrive on good drainage. So okay. So how do they work? A self-watering pot. How does it work? Well, you've got a reservoir in, in the, bottom. the bottom. It's a bit like a wicking bed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm. So if you had plants in a self-watering pot that have been there for an extended period, so maybe more than two years. They can get very boggy and, and wet. But, you know, some plants really like a lot of water. So, so I was going to say, so if you have the right plant The right plant. There, so mm. plants that are water hungry are yeah. great in a self-watering pot because mm. not only, well, it's like ha having them in a saucer, but it's better than that because yeah. they actually have access to get down into that water over a period of time after you've watered. Mm. Um, so Alstomeria do very well in them. Um, I've got some growing at the moment. And they did fantastic over the summer because it, it meant there was a backup water reservoir there after I'd watered yeah. until the next time I watered. Yeah, so gotcha. it, it depends what you've got mm. growing in them. Exactly. A lot of, a lot of ferns actually require that, that, that very wet feet. And in the summertime, I do put them on a, in the, I have a saucer mm. uh, under the pot and um, always make sure there's plenty of water on there. But come this time of the year, that's when I start tipping mm. the tip, tipping that out and um, you don't want them to be waterlogged this time of the year. So, um, yeah, I just... Because self-watering pots, I think that's that's a year all-year-round thing that's going to be happening. Uh, for some plants, on the plant. some plants, yeah, are just... some plants probably going to be thriving. But mm. I, on a personal thing, I, I prefer not to. And with uh, ferns dying down in winter, John, yeah. um, <laughs> how does one look after it? How does one look after it? Uh, just you try and put it in an area where they, it's going to be just kept moist rather than saturated all the time. Okay. Uh, just to, just to keep it ticking over. Mm. I know. Ray's referring to a particular fern that mm. uh, a lot of ferns do go into a uh, dormancy at this time of the year, or they're starting to do it now. And the one particular one that Ray's referring to is the um, Ethereum 
uh, Nipponicum, also known as the Burgundy Lace or Pewter Lace. Beautiful. Beautiful painted fern. Mm, love uh, it. Absolutely fabulous. This time of the year it's going to look horrible because it's about to lose all its foliage. It has a three-month period where it, there's, nothing, there's mm. no, nothing in the pot except soil. Mm. And then comes spring, it comes back to life again. So Okay, and of course I threw mine out because yes. I thought I'd killed it. Yes, that's right. And uh, it was just dormant. Yes, there's quite a few we ferns. We live and out. we learn. Yes, there's quite a few ferns out there that do go into total dormancy during the winter time. These are ferns that come from North America or from Europe. And they used the reason why they do this because is they're used to uh, being under a layer of snow. Amazing. So that's why they have that Gee. period. And, and they're here in sunny Perth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, let's let's talk about hardy ferns. You yep. know, yeah. one ones that you know, for a beginner, you're just starting off with a, a tropical style garden. You might not have a lot of canopy cover yet. What what can we put in our gardens that will be great for edging a path? They'll be a a living mulch, a weed suppressant, and they'll just you know, kind of creep along the ground and fill in those gaps around logs and rocks, etc. Can be a difficult question there, Faye, because <laughs> a lot of the ferns that I'm going to say are not normally available at no, a, don't lot worry of, about that. a lot of nurseries, yep. so that can be difficult. But probably the most common one would be your leather fern, which is a common name Love for it. Love the leather fern. Leather fern is an absolutely fabulous one because it'll grow in almost put pure sun, uh, in full sun and part shade. Fabulous for cut foliage as well in mm. a vase. It'll last for months in a vase. And um, another one that I'd highly recommend is the um, pyrosa ferns, also known as the uh, tongue fern. And is that the one growing when you walk down your back path to the back shade houses? Yes. it's mm. uh, It can grow in semi-shade. It actually likes to grow in sun as well, part sun during the day. Mm. Uh, it is absolutely fabulous for Perth conditions. Basically, uh, you could use, uh, there's some blechnums, which is blechnum occidental, which is a beautiful, they call it the hammock fern, but it has beautiful colours of pinks and, and reds Ooh, when the new foliage comes out. I like that. Ab absolutely beautiful for a border plant. There's the other one is um, uh, some of the players. Do really well, Palaea falcata, that likes a bit of sun. There's also um, I've just lost that one now. It was oh the uh, Dudius rasp mm. ferns are fantastic for a part sun, part shade. Do they put on a new flush of colour with growth? Colours, the new growths are in the reds, oranges, and pinks, and they look stunning. So uh, I know that you say they're not commonly available. Mm -hmm. However, um, the Fern Society often have plants for sale at their monthly meetings. Yes. So if people are, are looking okay. for something different. For something different, yes. Um, I'm just trying to think of some of the easier ones that are... I mean, that's a pretty good list. There's that's also yeah, yeah, uh, Woodwardia is another one. But uh, another one of those plants that you may not be able to see too often. Occasionally, nurseries will have Woodwardia orientalis. Woodwardia radicans is a fantastic plant for the garden, uh, quite hardy. We won't ask you what your favourite one is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
they're all my favourites. Yes. They, you yes. know that question. What's the, what's the biggest fern? The biggest fern is, well, you could class the tree ferns would probably be the tallest. Mm. Some of them can get rather tall. But the probably the one with the biggest frond is the Evangioptus evecta. Oh. And that one is an Australian Queensland, grows in Queensland in the rainforest. Um, not terribly happy here. Needs to be growing in a shade house, but it it does it has a doesn't really have a trunk. It just has a frond that can go up to nearly about three meters mm. in length. So quite a stunning plant, but not really suitable for our gardens here. Oh, and of course there's some edible ferns. Too. Yes, there yeah. is. There's also another one that comes to mind is the Microsorum species. They're readily available, and they're possibly uh, you can pick those up from any anywhere basically uh, friends everybody's probably got one in the garden they're the hobnail fern they are very hardy extremely hardy and uh, probably probably one of the best ones for perth conditions and mm. also the polypodiums are very good there's one that's a uh, blue blue color bluey gray you would like i'm a blue gray. girl mm. blue bluey gray they do really well Polypodium. Anything, anything with the blue-grey colour is a plant that you need to have in full, in, in bright light. Okay. So bluey-grey, bright yep. light. Yeah. Okay, that's a good thing. Another one I really recommend is holly ferns as well. Very, yeah. very hardy fern yeah. for Perth Gardens. Got several Stunning. Those, you can yeah. put them in almost any location. They'll grow in acid soil. They'll also grow in alkaline soil. So very, very hardy. Shade, part shade, sun, <laughs> yeah, hardy. There's a fern for all situations, there is, isn't there? There is a fern job? for every situation. All right, we're going to have a short break. When we return, we're chatting uh, with Mel about her blueberry. Now, Tina rung in again from Kalaroo. A la lantana flowers poisonous. From as far as I can ascertain, Tina, yes. Pattern Radio. You're with Ray and Faye and our special guest, John Banner-Savage. And there's about 20 minutes left of Let's Talk Gardening. And then at 10 a.m. we will be crossing to Jim Crine and he'll be playing you the classic 70s till 12 noon. Let's go to Les Murdy. Mel, good morning. Good morning, Ray, Faye and John. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, blueberry Sunshine Blues which about a month ago, it was given to us as an anniversary present last August and fruited beautifully over summer. Then about a month ago, the tips of the leaves started going brown and then the leaves were all falling off. What am I doing wrong? Does it need fertilising and what with? Okay. Um, Is it in a pot still? It is in the pot still. Okay. That probably is the biggest thing, Mel. I think when you, you get a plant... Often, uh, particularly with a, a plant like this that's growing and fruiting, it's going to run out of oomph in the pot. So it, it's going to need more root space. So potting it on into the next size pot, using a potting mix that is designed for blueberries because traditionally they like a slightly acidic soil. So even if you're yep. looking for at the potting mix bags that say it might say for a camellia and azaleas, that will give you an acidic mix. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, they some of them are starting to fruit now, I believe. Some of them will lose their leaves in winter or autumn time they might even change colour. So there's quite a variety of blueberries out there. But start by putting it on, uh, giving it a, a drink of seaweed 
and I would even add some extra slow release into the bottom of the pot so that you've got backup fertilising when when it needs it. Okay. If I planted it, what sort of a position would it like? Uh, it'll tolerate quite a lot of sun at this time of year and um, protected from from frost. So on the edge of a patio would probably be really nice. And if there is any dead sticky bits in it, you could cut them out now. So give it a light trim and I'm yep. sure it'll come good when it's ready. I've done that. It is starting to produce some new um, leaves and that. So okay. I was a bit heartened by that, but I thought maybe it needs something a bit more. Yeah, new pot. Okay. Another question. Um, we've got a lattice on top of our um, fence with our neighbours and I'd like to grow something, a vine up there to, to try and cover the lattice for privacy. Um, just wondering, I've tried three different types of um, passion fruit they all die. The the rats chew away at the stems and kill them. Mm. I've tried a native hardened berger and that just ran riot and went everywhere in the garden. Mm. Any other ideas, please? Uh, well, I'm I'm a bit careful about vines and climbers at the moment, having started to cut some of mine down. Uh, honeysuckle and maidenhair creeper are, are going up into a tree. So the p problem is... Uh, how long are you going to be in that house? And if you're going to be there in 20 years, it's going to likely be a problem then. The, the stems thicken, the lattice starts to get, um, opens up and ages. Oh, what? Mm, I'm just having flashbacks of what I'm cutting down at the moment. <laughs> um, I might have to the come back to you about that already. one, Mel. Yeah. The lettuce is getting old already, so... Oh, yeah, see, you're going to have a job ahead of you. You add to a, a vine or a creeper that gets a bit of weight and the lettuce mm. starts to age and get frail and all start collapsing. You've then got a bigger job. Right. That's, yeah, you know, no, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. We might do some weaving or something. <laughs> mm. righty. thank you very much. Have a lovely day and weekend. Thanks, Mel. You okay. too. Bye. Bye. Okay. Now, how would you like to go plant shopping? We have a $75 gift voucher to give away thanks to Kerry at Bigger Trees up there in Pickering Brook. And it is Mother's Day tomorrow, so you can also go online, biggertrees.com.au. Kerry tells me there's beautiful autumn foliage happening everywhere right now, as well as a lovely show of flowers starting on their vast range of camellias. They've got grevilleas and kangaroo paws looking great and new larger size silver princess eucalyptus has just arrived, beautiful tree. There's also new azalea stock too with many already in flower. Uh, they're open Thursdays to Sundays, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. and on Sunday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Here is your question, not to have won a prize on Curtain Radio in the last 28 days and you must be a Curtain FM member, here is your question if you'd like to win this $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. Most mums love chrysanthemums on Mother's Day, but to which plant family do chrysanthemums belong? Most mums love chrysanthemums on Mother's Day, but to which plant family do chrysanthemums belong? 94841927. Meanwhile, we'll go to Queen's Park. Karen, hello again. 
Yes, sorry, I, I remember that I wanted to ask John something about my rabbit foot fern or yes. hair foot fern. Yes. yes. I haven't seen that you have got any, but I'm sure you have. Yes, <laughs> many varieties out there too. Yeah, no, I have got two lots and I don't know what's what. One has got very, very dainty uh, leaves, very fine ones, and the other one has got very hardy ones. Yeah. But now, if, I, if they break off, can I just stick the root back into the soil? Or, you know, one almost died, so I have cleaned it out totally, and now I've got so many roots. What am I going to do with it? Are they going to grow again, or how can I tell... I mean, if they're very dry, I can tell. But what what can I do with it? Can should I put them in water to hope that they will regrow? Or? No, if they, if they, if they're already dried out, they're not going to recover. Then the roots, mm-hmm. the roots, the, the or the rhizome, they need to be uh, quite healthy, and uh, so. Okay, I have I have saved a few healthy ones. So yeah. can I just stick them back into the pot? Will you, they will you, they regrow? You can or? you can put them in that way. You can you don't have to have the root system. Often that they'll grow without any roots. But the only thing is that I would recommend is that if they do have any fronds attached to them, take the fronds off because that will drain the plant. Uh, And make sure that you put a few little uh, wire pins on them to stabilise the the, the root that you're going to, to develop. Ah, uh-huh. okay, okay. I didn't realise. I was so happy that, that, that some fronts turning up again. Yeah, because by watering and so forth, you'll end up, they'll end up moving and, and wind movement and so forth. So you really uh-huh. need to stabilise okay. the plant. But if you can possibly go with a knife and just try and get some of the root system, uh, some mm-hmm. of the, the, the feet with the roots on them, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll have a much better chance. The other way you can do is also layering as well. If they've got the feet that are hanging over the basket or a pot, you can actually layer that into another pot and they'll take so root pretty, pretty quickly. This is what's hanging over? I, I cut them off? Or yes, yes, you can do. Yep, yep. They're very hardy plant. I cut them off and, and just stick that cutting back into the pot? Yes, you can. Yep. Oh. Yep. Okay, I um, I loved them, but uh, they looked. Uh, I know I neglected them a bit because I didn't uh, didn't have a chance to do anything. Okay, great. I'll do that. Thank mm. you very much, John. No problem. You're, you're, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, thank you. Karen. Bye. Cheers for that. And Diane from Rockingham phoned in. Honey eaters love Tacoma. They do. Yeah. 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 Thanks for your comment. We'll be back in a moment. Captain Radio been a great morning. Thank you for your company on Let's Talk Gardening. So we've got a couple of emails come in. John, would we go over to you? We've only got a few minutes left yep, of the show, so. so we've got to race through. Okay. There's a, a, a call here from, an uh, email from Robin of Kingsley. She was asking about growing Blechnum Panamarina, which is also known as the Alpine Fern. She has difficulty growing them. She's had several times, but they have died. Uh, you're not alone. <laughs> um, this particular fern is actually a, a called alpine fern and it grows right up in the mountains so yeah, usually it's covered in snow at a certain time of the year um, so I think it really likes to have a cold spell I think that's the problem is that we're not cold enough here but I have success growing them in pots no problem at all and they will take quite a bit of sun and I have mine growing in my vegetable garden in pots so uh, the, the, the secret is, too, they don't like being in deep shade, so they do like bright light. But in Perth, I think they're better off in a pot situation. 
I'm still trying to grow them in the ground, but I have also no success. But I shall, I think location, location, I shall keep trying. <laughs> Don't give up. And then, Jan, to quote, you're in a good place. But they do well in a pot and in, you can divide them uh, come early spring and make several new plants. Very good. Thank you, John. And thank you to Suzanne who sent in a beautiful photo of some male blue-banded bees that have been roosting on her lavender plant as well as her asparagus. So that's excellent. And also she's got tips of making plant labels. So she cuts up strips of yogurt pots or old metal Venetian blinds and uses either a laundry marker or garden marker, keeping an eye out for a 2B pencil now. <laughs> and that, that was a tip from John. Uh, another one here has come from Lorraine. She sent in a photo of a magnificent Fucrea, which is as tall as the gutters on the house, and it's sent up a, a flower spike that goes for, my guess, would be around six metres, and that, that would not be a lie because I had one do the same. Yeah, no, I've seen them in the, action. The plant mm. will likely die afterwards, mm. but where each flower forms on the stem, a new pup will develop, and when they start to drop off, they will just start growing on the ground wherever they are. So yeah. that that will be highly desirable. And to Nissa, thanks for your lovely photo of your garden. She's looking for a plant to replace a honeysuckle on an arbor. It's showing a lot of dead. So mm. I was talking about this honeysuckle earlier. They can be problematic as time goes on and managing something that grows up into a tree can be difficult. But she's looking for examples or suggestions to cover the arch that will go with her native garden. And John has suggested Canadia, uh, of which there's a few different ones. There's a beautiful black flowering variety. There's also a scarlet orange. Uh, Hardenbergias, I've just found which are the native wisterias, can go quite leggy down at the bottom mm. and the growth comes up the top. But you would have to prune it, keep pruning it to keep it They're bushy. quite rampant, yeah. Uh, mm. Yes, but perfect on this arbour. And also, uh, not West Australian, but Australian native, some of the pandareas or the wonga wonga vine, mm -hmm. very rampant, beautiful trumpet flowers. The honey eaters love them. Mm. So a few suggestions there. Over to you, Ray. I've got okay, more we have a winner of our $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees, Brandy from Quinana Beach. Thanks for playing with us, with us, Brandy, and that voucher will be on its way to you this week. The question was, most mums love chrysanthemums on Mother's Day, but to which plant family do chrysanthemums belong? <laughs> Asteraceae family, or we call it asters for short, is the answer. Okay, now we have one more call. We're in Ascot. Olga, good morning. Good morning. I was just listening, and I, you were asking about a, a vine that might be able to go over the lattice. I have, yes. I think it's called the Stephanotis. It, yeah. Like, it, it seed pod looks like a an avocado. I have never had to prune mine. It, mm. it I don't know, maybe I'm not feeding it or anything, but it, it it's been fantastic. It's lovely yeah. dark green leaves all year round and um, it's, I don't know, I just thought that might be a possibility it, in the beautiful white flowers. 
It's a great option because the lady was saying that she doesn't want something that she has to tend to all of the time. And as you say, it is quite slow growing. It's a beautiful option. And John would like to say something. Oh, I just want to say there's a variegated version there out there is. as well. There it, is. it is beautiful. That's on my radar. Don't you worry about yeah, that. The variegated version. Yeah. Stunning. Thank you so much, for that, Olga. Yeah. I would second that. I think that is the perfect choice. What about it being in full sun, though? Would that be a problem at um, all? Uh, well, I don't know. Mine grows around the side of the house, so it gets the morning sun and then the shade of the house comes in after lunchtime. Um, another one is growing on the front of the house and, again, it doesn't get an awful lot of sun because I've got trees and things growing around. Yeah, so, dapple uh, light or part, yeah. part so shade that, is that their preference. So that might be a consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think that's okay. a great su- um, suggestion. Suggestion. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. okay bye. bye. Cheers for that. And just one more reminder that at the moment the radio station is running an online survey and this is to determine why people listen to Curtin FM and what kind of music you like and which programs you enjoy most. If you'd like to participate and we encourage you to do so, if you go to our website which is curtainfm.com.au on the homepage top right hand corner it says survey. Click on there and away you go. We appreciate that. Hey, what, what's next? I think our time is up, right? Our time is done. John, thank you so very, very well, thank much. Thank you for having We're, me. It's been a delight having yep. you. And congratulations, actually, on your achievements. Thank you. Absolutely outstanding. And big thanks to our gardening team, Bev Daring and John Glidden. Now, this is Faye's uh, quote, gardenism for the day. I'm a plantaholic on the road to recovery. Just kidding. I'm on the way to get more plants. (laughs) We both like that. Jim Crinan is up next with the classic 70s. Happy gardening. And to all you mums out there, happy Mother's Day, in particular to my own mum, Vi Shaw. Love you dearly. Happy Mother's Day. Happy gardening. Take care, everybody. See you next week. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.